Welcome to the No Small Churches podcast. I'm your host, Ephraim Wilkoff. No Small Churches exist to amplify the voices of local church preachers via our Twitter account, at No Small Churches, and a weekly preaching podcast. At No Small Churches, we believe when measured in kingdom value, there are no small churches. Today we have our first repeat teaching pastor, Pastor Catherine Callahan Howell from Winton Community Free Methodist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm bringing Pastor Kathy back to the podcast for three reasons. Number one, not enough of you listened to her first episode, which was amazing. I love listening to Pastor Kathy preach, and you should too. Number two, Kathy is one of the founders of the Justice Network of the Free Methodist Church, and I want to invite you to the Justice Network Summit in Cleveland, Ohio, September 9th through the 11th. The Justice Network's mission is to extol and deepen the Free Methodist Church's historic commitment to oppose oppression and restore God's wholeness to those who have been disenfranchised both in society and within the church. It has been a great resource to me, and I think you all would benefit from connecting with it. Visit justicenetworkfmc.org for more details. Again, justicenetworkfmc.org. Number three, the number three reason I'm bringing Pastor Kathy back this week is I have a wicked bad cold, and I knew that using a repeating teaching pastor, I would have less to record for my part on the podcast. So if you want to know more about Witten Community FMC, go listen to the start of her first episode and uh, you can get clued in. Today's message is entitled The Greatest Gift from John 3, 14 through 21. Let us now prepare our hearts to hear from Pastor Kathy and from the Word of God. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But those who live by truth come into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak through your word and through your servant. Amen. I want you to think about the favorite gift you've ever given, not received, but that you've given someone else. Gift giving is talked about is a love language. It's one of the ways that some people enjoy expressing their love. And for other people, it's kind of something they dread. It's not something they enjoy doing. It's not something that is their love language or that they might have a knack for. And so it causes them some kind of stress. 
we just went through this this week with Roger. It was his birthday, and so the kids were trying to figure out, you know, what to give him for his birthday. And it gets really hard when people grow up, right? When they're children, it's so easy. I give my grandchildren a book and a toy. It's pretty much what I do with my kids. And, you know, they like some more than others, but it's always something new, something new to read, something new to play with. And so it pretty much always works. And then once you grow up, it just depends on the person. But often there's nothing they really need, right? A lot of people, if they need something, they just go ahead and take care of it. There was one family who they gave their dad a shirt every year. And after he died, they found them all in the closet. Like he never wore them. He didn't really need them. You know, he just kept piling them in there and they just kept piling up. So sometimes it becomes difficult as people grow up to know what to buy for them. And of course, not all gifts are tangible. Um, the kids decided to give Roger some experiences instead of something, you know, in your hand that, you know, you might wear or use in some way. They're going to take him to play top golf, a couple other things. So, so they gave him the gift of some experiences. And so that's a different kind of gift that we give someone. Roger gave me one time a, a surprise on my birthday. One of my other love languages besides gift giving is quality time together. And I was planning to go to my parents for my birthday and take the children with me, expecting to have to do that all by myself, drive them all the way down, you know, three hours and be with them alone down there, not have him with me on my birthday because I wanted to see my family. And right before I was supposed to leave, he had me open his present. And the present was, he's coming with me. So it's kind of funny, you know, I kept being like, I don't want to open that right now. And he's like, you need to open this. So that was a gift that I still remember because it was a gift of time. And I really appreciated that as a gift. Gary Chapman, who is the one who came up with this idea about love languages, says there's five. There's gifts. There is words of affirmation. So nice things we say to people. So it can be, I love you, but it can also just be, I appreciate you, you're my friend, you're doing a good job. All the things you might say to even an employee or uh, someone you work with. So not just the loved one's uh, words of affirmation, but things we say to other people as well. Physical touch, which isn't just any kind of sexual touch, but just, you know, a pat on the back, uh, some kind of you know, how we sometimes encourage people that way. Right now, we can't touch anybody, so it's a whole thing that's been left out of our, our love language now for a year, except for those that we live with. So that's been a, a difficult thing for those who express themselves that way. Quality time, which is, you know, something where you really engage with the person, not just in the same space. And finally, acts of service. And acts of service is pretty obvious what that means, where you're really helping someone in some way, doing something for them, or they're helping you, you know, you have a project to do and someone offers to help. And so we have these different love languages and it's kind of important when you engage with other people to learn what their love language is. You don't have to maybe take a test or do any of that, but it, it helps to understand the people that you engage with regularly, in particular your family, what it is that, how they hear love and how you might need to adapt how you express it when we were doing our premarital counseling, our, the pastor who was working with us and he was talking to us about these, told us of an example that he had had in his marriage counseling where the husband was very reluctant to use the words, I love you. The wife wanted him to say those words to her on a regular basis and he just wasn't someone who expressed his love that way. But this was in Minnesota 
and he would get up every morning and clean her car off of snow and ice and everything before she went to work. And the pastor pointed out, you know, he is serving you. That's how he shows you his love. And so it's funny in a marriage in particular, you have to learn to hear that. Okay, this is how he's loving me. But then also learn to adapt. She really needs me to say I love you sometimes, you know, so you both kind of have to give. And this is true, not just in marriages, of course, but in friendships, you know, to kind of understand someone that you spend a lot of time with, you know, what do they need? How do they need to be loved? And how do I need to express that to them? God, who is love, is always the master of getting it all right. You know, not that we have to apply some human book to God, but if we think about the ways he does all of these things, you know, physical touch is a little challenging, except when Jesus was here, of course, and he would touch people to heal them. We know that he did that. Quality time, Jesus spent time with his disciples teaching them, and God even though it's an intangible, is always ready for us to sit down and spend time with him in prayer. So God is always ready to have quality time with us. Words of affirmation, the Bible is literally a love letter to us from God. So here are all the words you ever need to hear. Plus, God still speaks to us in various ways, but the Bible in particular is God's love letter to us. Service God serves us all the time. He literally keeps us breathing, right? He does everything we need for him to do to keep us alive. And then this gift-giving thing. In this passage, John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible as far as just one verse, right? It's the verse if you ask someone what that means. Most people have heard that, obviously not everyone. But it says in that verse that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave us the hugest gift he could possibly give. And part of being a good gift giver is anticipating what someone wants. It's figuring it out without having to ask. Now, Christmas time, you know, I always ask everybody, you know, what do you want for Christmas, birthdays, and so forth. But when you can anticipate that, it's always really special. When the person doesn't have to ask or hasn't really verbalized it or maybe even thought of it themselves, but you figure it out and it's right, that's a great gift, right? It's a great gift to give someone. And so God saw this need that we have, this need that we have for salvation, this need that we have for his son, and he sent Jesus as that great gift, a gift that can never be exceeded. It's interesting because we often use gifts as incentives or you, know, you don't call them gifts in that case, but when children are little and you want them to, you know, make their bed or clean the dishes, you know, you establish sometimes some kind of a chart and they get a sticker for doing that and maybe there's some allowance or, you know, kids are going to the potty, a lot of times people give them candy to teach them how to do that. And that doesn't just happen with children, right? Jobs give incentives. If you meet a certain threshold at your job or, you know, you, you're a certain amount of uh, consistent at being on time, you know, there are things that you get rewarded with that. It might be a raise. It might be some kind of bonus. It might be some extra time off. So the world is full of incentives, things that we earn and that we get paid for for doing the right thing. But that's not what salvation is about. In fact, it's the opposite. We heard in Ephesians that God did it out of his own love, out of the great love that he had for us while we were yet sinners, it, it says in Romans. God doesn't wait for us to get it right. God doesn't say, you know what, you know, 
you keep working on it, and when you get to a certain point, then you can have this. No, God gave us that salvation while we were a mess because he knew that we needed it. And so there, is no, there are no strings attached. It's God's unconditional love for us. Parents love their children regardless of their behavior. Good parents, of course. They're, it's not always true, but for the most part, that's how it's supposed to be. And God, of course, does that. And so, you know, there are times as a parent where you might be really frustrated with a child or you might be, have a difficult time liking that child, but you love them anyway. And I'm sure for God, with all of us being his children, the whole world being the children of God, that there are people that he enjoys more than others who, you know, give him the kind of response back that he appreciates. But he loves us all the same. He loves us unconditionally. And it's amazing to think that he was willing to give us his son for that. It's always frustrating when you do give a gift, when you really work up, you know, a lot of effort into choosing something for someone and they show little interest in it. It's either because it didn't hit, you know, it's not something they really needed. It's not something they really want. You made a bad decision or it's because, you know, it's hard for them to receive gifts or, you know, they're just in a certain place when they get it. And so it's hard as the gift giver to not have that, you know, feedback, so to speak. But look what God does. He gives this gift anyway. And people all around the world, because it's a gift for all of us, just ignore that. And God doesn't take that personal. God doesn't say, you know, how dare you turn down this gift. God just offers it unconditionally and waits for us to receive it. But I'm sure it, it feels really good to God, if that makes any kind of sense, when we do receive it and when we do create that relationship back with God. It's interesting to think about, we see that sign, John 3.16 at sporting events, right? Back when people could go to sporting events. And I don't know if anyone has ever gotten saved because they read the word John and this number three and this colon and the number 16 on a sign. I don't know if that's ever worked. We do know the Bible has its own power. And so it's possible someone looked it up and they were intrigued by it and they could have gotten saved from just that, or they could have looked more into it. But chiefly, that's not how people come to Christ. That's, it's not just because someone put a sign up at a sporting event. It's because someone builds a relationship with them. It's because someone else tells them about Jesus. Someone they trust, someone they see walking it out, someone they see who loves Jesus and they are intrigued by that. That's normally how people come to Christ. And so it's interesting to think about how that impacts how we relate to others and whether we might be able to share this great gift we've been given with people around us. It's such an incredible gift that God gave us. And if you think about the sacrifice, it's not just he went to the store and he picked out the best diamond, right? It's his son he gave. And that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. When I was uh, a young mother, I remember for some season being concerned for some reason, I think just out of normal paranoia that parents have sometimes, like, what if I don't survive to raise my children? What would happen to them? How would it be? And thinking, you know, no one would love my children like I do. I really need to be able to raise them, which gratefully that worked out. And in that moment, I was praying about it. And I had this kind of epiphany that 
true, you know, there's no human, you know, my husband, of course, as well, but there's no human who could take my place. But God loved my children so much, he gave his own child up for them. That's, it's kind of mind-bending, really, right? Just that, that he loves my children enough that he sacrificed his own child for them because he loves them so much. And it helped me trust God when I was concerned in some way and, you know, having a hard time of letting go of something and thinking, you know, are you sure, God, <laughs> that you really have their best interests at heart? Because who would have that more than me? And believing, of course, God does even more than I do. And that was just a, a refreshing epiphany for me to grasp onto. So what I want you to hear this morning, it's a verse we've heard a million times. We kind of get numb to it, right? For God so loved the world, you know, we kind of just mumble it along. But there's a gift in there. There's a gift. And we want to receive it with open hands. We want to receive the gift of God's Son. And we want to be willing to give it to others. And it doesn't matter if you, quote, have the love language of gift giving. We all have the capacity to receive God's love and to give it away. And so that's what I want you to think about. Even this week, as you, you know, we're interacting with people very differently than we normally do. But as the world continues to get better, the, we start to see more people and interact with more people again. Consider, how can I share this gift that I have? It's a gift bigger than anyone else can give. And how can I share God's love with others? Amen. Let us pray for Pastor Kathy that God would bless her ministry and bless the Justice Network of the FMC. God, we thank you that you are the greatest gift. You are the thing that lasts. You are the thing that we can hold on to and cherish in this life. And so, God, we ask that you would continue to bless Pastor Kathy, that you would continue to bless her work in that community, that more people would see that vision, that would catch that vision of bringing the kingdom of God in all its diversity and all of its inclusion uh, to the city of Cincinnati. And we pray that you would empower her, that you would build her up, give her the necessary uh, resources and the necessary uh, friends and people to come alongside her uh, to see your work furthered and developed and expanded in that community. We love you and we worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the No Small Churches podcast today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, consider sharing us with a friend or leaving a review. To stay connected with us, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at No Small Churches, follow Pastor Kathy at K Callahan H, or me, Ephraim Wilkoff at Wilkoff E. And now, hear this benediction. Just as God's word was sent into the world to heal and redeem, so God sends you into the world this day to be light and love, healing and hope. Go now to be light for the world, and may the grace and peace of God the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer come upon you this day and remain with you always. Amen. <music>